It's been a while since you really got to know him. You really studied his word and you remembered just how great God truly is. When was the last time that you, like the children of Israel, stood at the base of the presence of God and heard his voice? into the message just to ask the Lord to bless the message and ask him to be with us and to remove distractions as we learn from God's word what exactly is going on in this first commandment that God has given to us. Lord, thank you for today and thank you for the ability to preach. Thank you for your word that we could study and, and, and learn from. God, I, I am just a human. I have no special talents. I have nothing within me that is even worthy of even saying your name in my heart or even out loud. God, I need your help to speak through me and use me this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. I want you to look at Exodus chapter 19 and verse 9, just the chapter before, before we get into the Ten Commandments. Commandment number one this morning. I want you to understand what takes place right before it. Look in chapter 19 and verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people, Unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mounts or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not in hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes and he said unto the people, be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp, trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mountain, of the mount. Did you see that? And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly, 
And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, on the top of the mount, <laughs> and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Reading this chapter almost just brings me chills. I mean, I know you could you ask yourself if there was a, a point in time in, in the Bible that you can go back to and see, you know, which, what story would you go to? And really, there's no wrong answer. I mean, I guess there are some stories that would, it wouldn't be as great as others. You could probably say the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that's probably the greatest event in, in human history. I mean, without that moment in time, there would not be us today. There'd be no church that probably perhaps you could argue would be the greatest event. that you, If we can go back and see one event, it would be that. I know me as a kid growing up, I've always dreamed of just being able to sit and talk with Daniel. Just to see some of his stories. How he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. That he would purpose in his heart to serve God. Or with his three friends who would not bow, would not bend, and eventually would not burn in that fiery furnace. There's so many great stories you could uh, go back and wish that you can see. But one of the most tremendous and fearful yet holy experiences would be this right here. Because in verse 9, as I just read, The Lord said unto Moses... Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee. It, it appears here that in chapter 20, when God goes through the Ten Commandments, that the people were at the, who were at the base of the mountain could actually hear what was being said. We oftentimes think that it was just Moses up here, surrounded in this cloud, and God was speaking directly to Moses, which he was. But it, it appears here that the people could actually hear what was being said as well hearing the voice of God. Now, of course, there was this thick cloud placed on top of the mountain because we could not dare with our human eyes look upon the glory and magnificence of God. It was for our own protection. And the holiness of God was there so, so much so that people weren't even allowed to touch the, the border. They were, there was a, a border. They couldn't even touch the side of the mountain. God's presence was there. Only Moses, and you read later on, Aaron was allowed as well to come. That was it. A day that God spoke to his people audibly. What an event. What a, what a time to be. What, what, a, what an event to experience. On that third day, the lightnings and the thunders began. In verse 16, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain, the voice of the trumpet exceeding so loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. God allowed this sound of a trumpet to take place. Perhaps it came directly from heaven itself. And this trumpet came down. Don't really know exactly what that trumpet was, but this trumpet sound was there. The people, when they heard, knew that God was coming. God was ascending down into the mount. It was time to get up and stop whatever you're doing. Gather around the base of this mountain to not touch it. 
But even before that began, there was a, a, a series of sanctification that needed to take place. They had to search their hearts. They had to cleanse themselves, even wash their clothes and prepare themselves to be in the presence of Almighty God. And as they gather around this mount, they're shaking, they're trembling. Lightning and thunder is flashing all around. Smoke begins to gather, almost like I, I can't help but picture this volcano-style uh, event taking place with the lightnings and the thunder and this thick smoke and God now descending upon the mounts. And in verse 19, then the voice of the trumpet sounded long. This trumpet got louder and louder all the way to the point where Moses then finally speaks up and talks and God finally answers. Seemed as if when Moses raised his voice, he looked around. Everybody was in place. Everybody was where they needed to be. Everybody was cleansed and sanctified. They were right where they needed to be. And then Moses finally looked up through the loudness of the trumpet. Perhaps the lightnings and the thundering were still going on. And Moses spoke. Perhaps at that moment is when it went quiet. And then you hear these words from God. Perhaps the first time many of these people had ever heard the voice of God. First words people can hear appear here in verse 20. His first words were calling Moses up. The Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the mountain. Can you imagine? Lightnings and thunders and this trumpet just getting louder and louder, and then all of a sudden quiet. And you hear Moses. Come up. <laughs> wow. I mean, I would be scared out of my mind to walk up that mountain. I mean, God said several times in this chapter, if you touch the mountain, you're dead. If you're not cleansed and sanctified properly in the presence of God, you're dead. I mean, this was a, a serious moment. And then God looks at Moses and says, all right, come on up. Moses ascends the mountain and we find ourselves now in chapter 20. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The first commandment God gives is, I am God, the only God. Me. No one else. The first commandment God starts out with, I believe, is the most important. And I believe that's the, why, the reason why it was first. Never was so great a congregation called together and preached to at once than right here at this moment. No man's voice could have reached so many at the same time from the top of a mountain except the voice of God. I want us to see here in verse number one, the words of God. The first thing I want us to see here is found in verse one, and that is the words of God. It says in verse one, and God spake all these words saying, this was audibly the voice of God coming down. What, it, what does that sound like? Perhaps in heaven we'll get to hear the voice of God. Perhaps. What a magnificent place and, and situation to be in, an event to have experienced. And God today still speaks to us. We still serve a God that is still alive. 
He is not dead like all the other gods, which their other gods aren't even real. They're just a figment of people's imaginations. There is only one true God, and he is alive today, and he's still speaking to us. He speaks to us through many ways. And the most important way God speaks to us is right here, through his written word. He speaks to us through his written word. And we're not going to dwell too much on this. This isn't the point of the message, but I just have to say that for the word of God is quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing ascender of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word speaks to us. It, it, it reads us. It, 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 it's, it could discern our hearts. It could speak to us through the Holy Spirit. The word of God is alive and God is still speaking to us. He speaks to us through his written word. He also speaks to us audibly, as we just read here in chapter 19 and throughout verse 20, the audible voice of God. We even hear the audible voice of God in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Perhaps today we don't hear the audible voice of God like we once did. We don't really need to because they didn't have a more short word. They didn't have the completed word of God like we do today. We have everything we need to know about God and to hear from God. We also know that God speaks to us also through our conscience. Romans 1.19, because that which that may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Psalms 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. This law God had given to man before, it had been written in our hearts through and seen by nature. But over time, sin had so defaced that writing that it was necessary in this manner to revive the knowledge of it. Through a written word. He speaks to us through his word audibly through our conscience. He also speaks in the Bible of old times through signs and visions. Though these aren't seen uh, today, but there certainly were instances in the Bible where these things were definitely seen. There are instances where in the scriptures that God would speak to us through these different things. Uh, in Acts chapter 14, verse 3, long time therefore abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony into the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. In the early church days, God allowed for these apostles to be able to show signs and wonders, to point to the magnificence and glory of God. God spoke through these prophets of old. God also spoke before through the prophets. The prophets would speak to people, would hear from God, oftentimes through visions and sometimes through dreams. There's examples of these in Daniel and Isaiah and Joseph as well. Today, God also speaks through pastors, through spiritual leaders. Though I don't believe that God uses the use of prophets anymore, not like they, as was mentioned back in the Old Testament, but God uses pastors, spiritual leaders, to relay the messages that God has for his people. Nothing outside of God's word, nothing outside of what you could already know, learn from God's word today, nothing extra, but God uses pastors to help speak to people through God. 
God speaking through pastors. God speaking through spiritual leaders. Today, God still speaks to us. But man, in this moment in time, to hear the audible voice of God himself. The words of God in verse 1. But now in verse 2, we see here the person of God. The person of God. It says, I am the Lord thy God. That's a, that's a statement to make. That's not a statement that anybody could make. There's only one person in this entire existence, entire universe, that can make a statement like this. I am the Lord thy God. And this was the Lord thy God saying this. God asserts his own authority to enact this law. I am the Lord. He proposes himself as the sole object of worship, which is seen by these first three commandments. They are here bound to obedience, really by a twofold cord, which we could see here in this verse. Jesus, God, he declares himself as Lord, Jehovah, self-existence, independent, eternal, and the fountain of all being and power. He was incontestable. He could command us. The laws that God was about to give us are his laws. He can write them. He can say what he wants because he is God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there is no one else close to who he is. These are his commandments. These are his words. And he makes that very clear by the opening statements. I am the Lord thy God. What I'm about to say, I have authority to say this. I have authority to create these. I have authority because I am God. He also makes this other interesting statement here. He says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. In case you're fuzzy on who I really am, because at this time, Israel had been, had been marred by the gods of all the others, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. God says, just in case you're not sure who's speaking right now on this mountain, I am the same God that brought you here that brought you out of bondage, that saved your lives and brought you to this point. Yes, the same God that spared you from all those plagues, the same God that crossed, that helped you cross the Red Sea, that split it in two and let you cross on dry ground, the same God that brought the waters back down on the Egyptians to save you yet again, the same God when you were complaining about hunger dropped quails from the sky and landing right outside your tents, dropped manna, from heaven, the Psalms call it angels' food. I mean, God provided for you in the wilderness for these million to two million people wandering through the wilderness. God provided for all of them. And when they were thirsty, God brought water from a well? No, he brought water from a rock just because he could. In case you're wondering who's speaking right now on this mountain, it's me, the Lord thy God. The person of God is seen very clearly in the opening statements of these Ten Commandments. They were now enjoying the blessed fruits of their deliverance from God, from Canaan, all the way up to this point. And God was about to give them some more instructions. God was about to reveal himself in even a greater way. The words of God, the person of God. Now we come to verse 3. 
the commands of God. The commands. What is this first commandment God gives? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I think it's pretty safe to say that the reason God even had to make this statement is because there were other lowercase g gods infiltrating the hearts and lives of the, people, the children of Israel. This had become a problem and would be a problem all throughout. You read the Kings, the Chronicles, you read even till today. Gods of this world are battling for our heart's desire over the true God. God had to open up with this because it was a problem. The first commandment concerns the object of our worship, who God is. This first commandment speaks of who we should worship, who God is, the object. The children of Israel apparently were, many at least, were losing sight of this. We know that the Egyptians and other neighboring nations had many gods. The creatures of their own liking, strange gods, or even new gods. This law was started because of that transgression, that sin. And Jehovah being the God of Israel, the one true God, they must entirely cleave to him and not before any other, either of their own inventions or borrowed from others. Jesus, God, Jehovah, Yahweh, this is the God, the only God. When humanity was create, created, there was no other God to compete with. <laughs> it was pretty self, Adam and Eve knew there was one and only God. But after sin and the, and the depravity of man, other gods began coming into the picture. This was the sin they were most in danger of now. That the world was so overspread with this polytheism which yet could not be rooted out effectively but by the gospel of Christ, by God. God was making this commandment first because it is the most important. The sin against this commandment, which we are in most danger of, is giving the glory uh, and honor to any other creature than God himself. And we'll look more into this in, our, in the next commandments as it ties very heavily with the one we see here now. But here are some of the gods that Israel may have struggled with during their time. And there are many more of this, but you read the scriptures, you read of the god of Ashtoreth, which is a goddess of war and fertility. We know of Baal, of course, a Canaanite and Phoenician god of fertility and rain. Shemash, the god of the Moabites. Dagon, worshipped in Babylonia and Philistia. Moloch, the chief deity of the Ammonites. Wicked, wicked uh, practice fire, uh, human sacrifices, sacrificing children into the fire. And these are some of the gods that the children of Israel, of all people, were struggling with. Some of the gods of today, Islam with Allah. The Buddhists look to Buddha for guidance. Hinduism, of course, they have uh, an, an uncountable amount of different gods that they, they look to. Sikhism, though considered monotheistic, often believe that all gods, are the, all gods that people worship are just different names for the one true God. We're all sort of in this together. We might have different ideologies and different ways of going about it, but they're all pretty much the same as we all worship the one true God, which is, of course, completely, completely far from the truth. Today, people even often look to other people 
to famous people or other leaders for guidance, for truth. They even uh, put their faith in that in a particular person. And we can keep going down the list of who people look to for guidance and even for worship. But there's only one. There's only one. There's only one, the God of the Bible, Jehovah, Yahweh, Jesus Christ. There's only one God that we are to worship and we are to, and we are to, to give our lives unto. And I can't make a statement like this. I can't talk about there being only one God without sharing a few verses from the scriptures to back up what I'm trying to say here. Because Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17, the Bible says, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. In Joshua 22, the Lord, God of gods, the Lord, God of gods, he knoweth. And Israel, he shall know if it be in rebellion or if it in transgression against the Lord. Psalms has many great passages. God, in Psalms chapter 82, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. Psalms 86, 8. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. Psalm 95, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Psalm 96, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Psalm 97, confounded be all they that serve graven images that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Psalms 135, for I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Daniel says it great in Daniel chapter 2. The king, this is Nebuchadnezzar now, realizing how powerful the one true God really is. Nebuchadnezzar looks to Daniel and says, of a truth, it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing that thou couldst reveal this secret something that only the king had even dreamed in his mind. Nobody knew about it, but Daniel's God knew what he was thinking because Daniel's God, the real God, created him. In Isaiah 45, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. So many more verses that we can point to. But understand this. There is only one God. This commandment includes a precept which is the foundation of the whole law. That we are to take the Lord for our God. Acknowledge that he is God. Accept him for ours. Adore him with admiration and humble reverence. And to set our affections entirely upon him. Do you know God today? Do you know him? I didn't say, are, are you familiar with God? Because I imagine the whole world is familiar with at least a God. But do you know the God? Because did I mention there's only one? 
If you're not a believer today and you're listening, if you're not a believer in the one true God, you don't have to take my word for it. We know throughout these last several months for sure that who can we trust? You look at all the news going on in our world, what's true and what's not? Well, to be honest, I don't blame you if you don't want to believe what I'm saying. That's why I challenge you to read this, to read the words of God. See for yourself who he is, who the one true God is. If you are a believer, but perhaps have stopped getting to know God, Maybe there was a time where you did fully embrace who God was. You accepted him as your Lord and Savior and you gave your life to him. The day you got saved, we call it, you, you confessed your sins, you repented of your ways, you accepted Christ as to who he is in your life and you gave your heart to him. Perhaps you are a believer, but perhaps it's been some time now. It's been a while since you really got to know him. You really studied his word and you remember just how great God truly is. When was the last time that you, like the children of Israel, stood at the base of the presence of God and heard his voice in your life? Do you know God? Are you getting to know God? Are you searching for God? Well, God has always been where he's always been. He's never, he'll never leave us or forsake us. If we're a believer, he'll never leave us or forsake us. If we're searching for him, he's still there. He's never left. Oh, the world has infiltrated our thoughts, our minds. They've created uh, a really a religion where he doesn't exist. We've come up with an, a way to get rid of, of God creating the world. It just kind of happened over time through millions and millions of years. But God is still there. No matter what we think, no matter what false idea we bring up, never, no matter what false God we arise to, to try to make more sense in our heads, God is still there. He's still the only true God that there ever was. Do you know him today? Because you can. You can know him. You could accept him as your Lord and Savior today. You could call upon the name of the Lord and the Bible says thou shalt be saved. Why should we have no other gods in our life. Why should we serve the one true God? I think Moses says it best in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 35. Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord he is God. There is none else beside him. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, there is none else. There's only one God. Who are you worshiping today? Because someday you're going to stand before God. Someday your life will be over and you're going to stand before somebody. And according to the Bible, you better know who you're serving. You better be able to stand before God when your life is over and say, yes, Lord, you are the one that I worshipped. Because at the end of your life, and you stand before God, and if you worshipped anybody else other than the one true God, your eternity, unfortunately, is forever in a lake of fire. It's in hell. 
Only those that have put their worship, repented of their sins and put their worship and faith in God will live forever in eternity with him. That's the law that God has written for us. Do you know him today? Pray with me now. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the Bible and this first commandment. And there's so much more to be said on this topic. Just to squeeze it in a small amount of time is no doubt difficult and was difficult. Lord, we, we need your help. Because there are a lot of distractions out there. A lot of false gods. More so that we'll look at even next week. But there's so many, and so many of us have grown up in an environment that is anti-God. In a world that is anti-God. We watch news that's anti-God. That's anti the true God, at the very least. Lord, for those that may be searching to, to this morning, help them to find you to search in the right places, to search the scriptures. And for those of us that are saved, that are Christians, that, are, that have believed in you, that do believe in you, help us to keep getting to know you, to keep trying to be more like you, to keep studying the scriptures, studying those men of God who have followed you, as the Bible says, who did serve you with a perfect heart. Help us to look to these men to see how we can draw ourselves closer to you. You are the one true God. And Lord, I can't wait to see you someday. But we're not there yet. We're still here on earth. There's still so much to be done for you. And Lord, help us while we're here to get closer and closer to the one true God. Thank you, Lord, for this day. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.